The story of the relationship between jet-setting Jasmine and the spread is really a story about the internet. And it goes back to before the release of the first ever episode of the Spread podcast in 2016. I'd been looking around the interwebs for people who were like me. People who were doing sex things. People who were doing podcasts. People who were black. People who were women. Then, just as I was getting desperate and about to give up, I found her. She was hosting a super sexy radio show called The Mile High Radio, which was about all things kink. Her co-host was the even sexier King Noir. Jasmine is a licensed clinical therapist, an entrepreneur, a certified sexpert, and fetish trainer. A general badass and overall queen. She holds a bachelor's degree in sociology and two master's degrees in clinical social work and in aging studies. Jasmine's all about placing a strong emphasis on empowering, enhancing, and redefining sexuality in a sex-positive manner for singles, couples, as well as victims of domestic violence. King Noir, also known as Hassan Salam, is an MC, educator, and community organizer from New Jersey. His music paints vivid pictures of the common things that bind us, struggle, love, and pain. It's his ability to touch people at their core, which has garnered him a loyal fan base all over the world. On the sexy side, King Noir is dedicated to delivering individualized relaxation to clients through the use of erotic touch. King has spent 12 years in the adult entertainment industry, including fetish training and fantasy work, live shows, and is a certified sexpert and blogger for California Exotics. I was overjoyed by my discovery. I mean, here's Jasmine, a woman of color, talking about sexual health and more importantly, the beauty of sexuality, femininity, and the need to embrace it all. She has a heart for the well-being of humankind. She travels the world hosting sex ed workshops and basically saving the world from intimacy issues. She runs a gym. She runs a full household all while holding down a 9-to-5 job. To top it all off, she and King Noir have made some dope-ass award-winning adult films and are, no doubt, the most frequently searched couple on my hidden history browser, if you know what I mean. I wanted... No. I needed to meet her. To meet them both. The internet came through, and the rest, as they say, is history. A year and a half later, here we are, Reflecting on the most incredible week spent in Tampa, Florida, with Jazz and King, we experienced sex positivity in all its glorious facets and had the opportunity to get to know the couple on an intimate level and talk all things sex, relationships, work, life, but most excitedly, porn. Hi, I'm Kaz, and welcome to The Spread Podcast. Places that I won't let nobody else see. I'll let you, go. you sleep with all your guests, guys? No. You should see you them. You just ruined our whole <laughs> She said you should see fantasy. them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Jasmine slept with all her guests because she slept with me. Oh, yeah. Is this how you met? Yeah. 
<laughs> in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> she was like porn star, eh? Let me how check many it out. Of my guests have I slept with? Just two? Yeah. Two and a half. Who's the half? Who's the half? half? Kind of sativa ish. Nah, like, did you like flip a titty? You didn't really do that one. I didn't do anything with her. She ate my pussy, though. Oh, yeah, she did. I just want to welcome you guys to the spread. All the way from Tampa, live with me, Kaz. And in the studio today, I have um, Jet Setting Jasmine and King Noir. Yes, but yes. Jet Setting Jasmine is the both of you, right? Yes, it is our company. Tell us a little bit about yourself. It's kind of like a rock band. Yeah, it's it like is. Hootie and the Blowfish. Like there's still other dudes in in the yeah. group. Right. But Hootie she the namesake. Name she the namesake. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit about us. Oh man, where do we start? You know, like the traditional. A little bit about us, or like the non-traditional. Uh, we gotta culture. do the non-traditional for this show. We yeah, gotta. For sure. We gotta give it all to them. All right. I'm a milf. Okay. Okay. How about you? Uh, I'm a man whore. They be calling you daddy. <laughs> yeah, they do. Daddy. Just, I feel a little too old to say that with a Z. <laughs> but um, you're a man whore. That is correct. Yes. You're certified. Man certified whore. man whore. I got a stamp. Mm-hmm. It's USDA yes. beef right here. There's beef. And um, I am licensed to work with Whores of all shapes, sizes, colors, problems. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like it. And how did you two meet? And like, how is it that we're here? How did we get here? Oh gosh, it was such a journey. It's like a real serious philosophical question right there. I know. Because it's about to get crazy. So, we might okay. just get this so we met, um, I was doing a radio show at the time called The Emotion Picture. And we wanted to do a show on the porn industry. And trying to get like behind the scenes, like who are these people and like what do they, what do they do when they're not, can they have um, good relationships, you know, when they're not shooting or is it even possible? So somebody was like, yeah, we know this guy, he's a rapper, but he used to be a porn star. And they were like, Hassan Salam. So I, I didn't know who he was at the time. And we had the interview. And I was just like, the first thing I asked you was like, how do you not get AIDS? Like that was <laughs> the first first words I even uh, ever uttered to him. And he answered it and he answered it so well, along with a lot of other questions. He was so, you know, just like so well-rounded of a person. I was like, oh, wow, I want to know more about this guy. So when the show aired, I actually looked him up. And I was like, oh, he's hot. I want to know more about this guy. So I did my regular after show um, touch base follow up thanks for being on the show it's wonderful to have you learned so much can't wait to get the feedback and then he hit me back with the are you married do you always use that line no I just asked you that why I mean, does that I, sound matronly or something no nah, you had this picture where you was walking away and you was carrying these boots and I wanted to do all kinds of <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of things to you and it was just like I'm not um if I'm interested, I I, I, I just ask mm-hmm. questions. Because, I mean, you might have, from the world I'm in, I, I've definitely slept with married women in front of their husbands. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like to kind of know where where you're coming from, okay. where you stand. And, and I guess maybe I didn't do enough uh, online research about you that mm-hmm. it was just like, I need to get right to the point here. Yeah. Well, so he got right <laughs> to the point. And so my answer was no. 
And but really, like that was just kind of like, all right, this is how we can talk with one another. We kind of know, like, you know, he he's either single and interested or just interested, and I'm not in a committed relationship, so we can talk to each other in a particular way. But mm-hmm. our focus really was working with each other in the beginning. He talked a little bit about doing the erotic touch massages at the time and wanting to get back into the adult industry. And I really wanted to take the um, the parties that I was doing and take it to another level where the women that I was doing parties, the questions that they had were so directed at how to please men. But we were I was answering it as a woman. So I thought it would be great if I had a male perspective right there. Um, he also made a really great model for some of the sex toys that we were using and then also doing the erotic touch massages at the parties so that the women can have more than one activity and sort of take that time to get some self-care and experience touch in a different way. So yeah, we figured out how to work with, um, how we would work with one another. But before we did, I needed to test the erotic touch massages out. So we met in DC. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a juicy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was one for like, I came home from, well, well not you, home. You didn't just get the massage though. You got the whole erotic cuisine and the massage. Yeah, well, I didn't even know that was, that was happening. I was just like, you know, he said certain things like, you know, I'll be here at this time. Um, do you, would you like if I cook dinner? And I was like, hell yeah, that that hasn't changed one bit. <laughs> and, you know, so we ordered the groceries and I was like, okay, I'll be home. You got to define what order the groceries means. Yeah, at that time it was just <laughs> bags of food. <laughs> and I was working in D.C. that week. So it was, it was a really like nice feeling because I was away from home and I felt like really empowered traveling and my suit and came back to the hotel and he was there and we had a drink at the bar and then when we got upstairs, he was like, you know, the table was laid out. And he's like, take a shower and I'll be ready for you when you're out. And I'm like, yeah, like this is how you should come home from work, which was really um, important, not just for me personally, but me wanting to ha- share this experience with all of my fellow women. And I did. Like, as soon as it was done, I was like, girl, book him now, <laughs> yeah. you know. So you've pretty much massaged all of my friends. <laughs> I think it's um, also important for, for me to say, like, during that time, I had I had left the adult industry for a while because I started doing uh doing community work and I, I was working with with youth and through the urban league and all that so couldn't do both at the same time it it, it just wouldn't have been right so I was in this program where I was working with with youth that were coming out of the youth house or court order community service and I really enjoyed my job but I got laid off and. You know, whenever, you know, you got to pay the bills and all that. So I automatically, back in my head, I was like, damn, I need to get get back on the grind. So um, I was working with somebody, and I was dancing at parties in Washington Heights in New York. And then I, I that's how I started doing erotic touch massages, because I would dance. And I would kind of, like, massage women while I was dancing. I was like, I, I really just kind of want a massage from you, you know? And then I was like, okay. So then I went out there. And my homegirl was like, yo, you could do both kind of like massage and dance. But then that's how I kind of came up with the idea for erotic touch massages. Because it's also like a woman sitting in a chair isn't really a natural sex position unless you open her legs up. And not all women are comfortable with you just coming up to them and opening up their legs. Or also from from dancing, not all women want to be picked up and thrown around and have a dick on their shoulder. You know what I'm saying? So, like, some people are like, I'd rather watch or I'd rather be in a more sensual or erotic setting. And I've always had, like, 
ever, before I even knew what the words for it were. I've always had fetishes for like candle wax and handcuffs and feathers and ice and all these different kind of things. And I've used them in the bedroom. So then I just started kind of at the parties. I, I bought a massage table and started kind of like more doing tricks, like jumping over the table and pouring candle wax on them and all kinds of stuff like that. And then it just kind of like morphed into what happened with when I started working with Jasmine. And she was like, we need to have some sort of menu for this instead of it just being super random, you know, because it'd be like I'd be at a party and there was a candle in the room. Hey, you like candle wax? Want to try this out? Mm -hmm. You know, so then it just kind of started being more defined. And it's funny now because sometimes I'll see people kind of trying to, they trying to kind of copy like our model mm -hmm. of what we did with parties because, I mean, I know they call them hen parties in, in England and now here they're like bachelorette parties and things like yeah. that. And they're, they're so fucking boring. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know if I could a, curse. You can curse as much as you <laughs> oh, oh, awesome. Okay, great. Now um, I feel comfortable for real. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's like they're the same thing over and over again. It's like, this is a dildo. You fuck this dildo. You buy this dildo from us and go home now. But mm -hmm. with Jasmine's expertise of being able to say, well, what, what do you like sexually? What are you lacking sexually? Or what do you aspire to sexually? And since she's also on a journey, has been on this journey herself, I think that it's women who would come to our parties were just like, this is nothing like what we've ever experienced before because there's the element of actually being able to ask a man, what do men like? And, and from... Doing it for so many years is funny because, like, women think, I guess, like, men all, like, like it one way. One size fits all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, just kind of like same thing for men who think that, you know, the same move that you did with your ex will work with your current. And it's not always the same thing. So I think we've gotten to learn a lot from it. But also I think we've gotten to change, like, the change the game a little bit with what we do. So, like, what exactly is an erotic touch massage? It's a mix between like, entertainment. Is there an orgasm at the end of it? There can be. There can be, yeah. There's one called Climax where they can use their own pleasure-inducing toy um, or a kink will assist them with yeah. setting up their make toy. The make the table vibrate for them. Mm -hmm. um, some people might be more on the sapiosexual side and want to have a... Conversation? A erotic conversation or, or a fantasy role play with their with their massage um we incorporate bdsm restraints uh sensory deprivation mm -hmm. it's what's, it's what's that it's like blindfold or uh noise canceling headphones because mm -hmm. all that um makes the the touch and feel enhanced mm -hmm. that much more we what am i, what am I forgetting Oh, there's like Sunday, which you become an actual Sunday, or I feed you an actual Sunday, however you prefer it to be. Mm -hmm. So it's it's all almost like it's like imagine your favorite romance novels in a massage setting, you know, music, mm. uh, candles, just to set the mood. It's it's a different kind of experience when you go to like a, a clinical massage. It's a clinical massage. Mm -hmm. This is more entertainment than fantasy. 
I feel like I owe it to my fans to actually experience this mm-hmm. erotic touch massage so that I can tell them what it actually feels like. I'm doing this for the people. <laughs> You're doing the people's work. Yes. Yes, yes. Kaz. I'm here doing God's work. Yes. Actually, somebody did say uh, we, the this last is... live recording, like, Kaz, you're doing God's work. I'm just like, yes, that is what I'm We here. heard that recently as well. Yeah. We but are doing yeah, God's work. It is. Yeah. We are helping people in a way that... It's safe. It's non-judgmental. Absolutely. Yeah. So his his menu is completely customizable. Um, and I think that is extremely important to, especially to women who oftentimes just take what's, what's offered, you know, and we'll even say sorry while we're taking what's offered. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take that. That's fine. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's too much. That's you know, don't go out of your way with everything. Even if we are paying top of the line dollar for whatever our experience is, so we're always like, don't, don't, don't do this for me. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things like when we do work outside of the, um, outside of kind of like the fantasy land, so to speak, um, we do work with people in domestic violence shelters, uh, people who have experienced any type of trauma or um, sexual trauma or just lack confidence around sexuality. And King will say, you know, one thing, um, how do you like to be touched? And that question is like mind boggling to adult women, adult women who have been in marriages for many years, who have children, who've had multiple partners, multiple sexual experiences, and they cannot describe how they like to be touched because they've just accepted what was offered. And, you know, then he'll work through, okay, um, you know, touch on the arm, hard, soft, squeeze with a feather, with a blow. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, women are starting to like, oh, wow, like I can have a say in this. Or I didn't even know I liked that. So I think, you know, everything that we do is customized to what people want. And it's always so interesting that people, women specifically, do not know what they want. They'll say, I want a fantasy flight party. Do whatever you guys want to do. Like, no. Because it's about them. It's yeah, your fantasy. It's your fantasy. We can't we can't create that. I mean, we can help you, you know, help embellish it. We can add some different pieces, but um just getting women to communicate, which also lends itself to un for to me, um, helps me understand why women don't know what men want and vice versa, because there's no communication about it. It's very difficult to articulate what you want. So how are you gonna tell your lover? Most women are just hoping and praying that he'll do something different. Yeah. I, I, f- I find that a lot. Um, people do expect, and it, especially in regards to women, what they want from men. It's kind of like, just as Jazz said, you know, do whatever. And this is in the bedroom, not even just in regards to a party. Do Do whatever. You know, or expecting like a man is, or saying like a man is a bad lover if he didn't do what I like, but I never articulate, I never articulated what it is that I like. Mm -hmm. You know, like if he's not a mind reader or a body reader, and not and not everybody is, and that that's not taking away or propping someone else up. It's just you know some people might be pleasers, and it takes them you letting them know what you actually like for them to do what you want. You know, but it's. I guess more of like a societal thing, though, that people, men are expected to say, do this, you know, yeah. or I like that. This is what I want. Yeah. But women are not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's how we're raised yep. Yep. to be these type of particular women, to be a good woman, to put your legs together, to, mm-hmm. you know, it's like right. be a decent woman, that like wife material type. Which is usually docile. Yeah. 
That's boring. Which is not good for a human. Right. (laughs) So I went on social media and asked a whole bunch of, like, spreaders um, questions that they would like to ask porn stars. Spreaders, I like that name. (laughs) I have to add, there are a bunch of questions. Okay. So rapid fire. (laughs) Yes, kind of like rapid fire. Some of them are really interesting. The first one, how do you separate work and your own intimate relationships? And I suppose another thing that people don't know is that you are together. King and Jasmine yeah. are, are actually partners. I wish this was video recorded. <laughs> so, so you can see, see that eye roll. <laughs> yes. Dang, they felt me. it. I saw they it. Felt it went it. all the way to the back of her head. That um, could change. <laughs> so King and Jasmine are together, Weird. but then you do have other partners in, the, in your line of work. Mm-hmm. So maybe just talk about like what it's like being together. Like when you ask the questions as a couple, but also just as individuals, just being with other people. So um, work is work. I mean, it it just it's just like any other job where someone might have um, when you when you go to work, you might have like a work husband or a work wife or so you know somebody that you get along with well at work. Which we we hope. I mean, our work scenes and situations are nearly as long as. A 40-hour work week, it might be 8 to 10 hours or even a couple of days at times. Um, and we hope to get along well with that person because the better the chemistry, the better the work. And But when it's over, it's over. Um, so kind of the same thing in my work, my regular work day. I have someone that I talk to, you know, all the time and we laugh and, and we have our own work intimacy. Um, but when it's over, it's over. And there are certain things, like in any relationship, you can have a very close, intimate relationship with your girlfriends, but that intimacy is going to be very different with your significant other, just based on the things that you might talk about with that person. Um, there are certain conversations and topics that I only really want to share with King, um, because that, <laughs> whether he wants to hear them or not. <laughs> um, there are things about our family life that I wouldn't share with work partners. Um, we have to make financial decisions together. We have to make future decisions together. So there is like a, a whole level of intimacy that surpasses anyone that I might just be sleeping with or dating. And it's not to say that um, should either of us take a dating situation further and become more intimate with another partner that those things wouldn't intersect but at this time there's kind of you know there's fun and there's light and there's more of a social intimacy with either people that we work and date and then with each other it's kind of like you know there's some future planning involved there's a a connection on a lot of different levels so as a couple do you date other people he does more than i do okay and what's that like (laughs) Well, you do. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it. it was just funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, well, kind of just going back to the work thing as well, I think within within adult entertainment, everybody kind of approaches it how it works for them. So, like, there are certain people I've worked with that are very clinical about it, you know, very much like, this is my time to work. We're here to work. We're not having a conversation, like, you know, and then you'll meet other people who are just kind of like, I already checked out your website and I love like what you and, and Jasmine do and I think y'all are cool and I'll have, this is what I want to do. And they'll, and they'll, you know, share more more of who they are um, and which makes it more personal. But definitely, um, I think Jazz hit it on the 100, like 
having future plans with somebody, you know? Um, and I think that's, when it comes to dating, I think for me, if somebody can't respect what we already have and who we are, then it kind of, it's, it's, my dating has definitely gone down because there have been people that I might have talked to or, or gone out with or whatever. And then when it comes down to it, they either are not respectful of our relationship or not understanding of what a polyamorous relationship mm -hmm. is and that I'm already in a committed relationship. So, you know, you're not going to save me from doing porn. You're not going to steal me away from my partner. You, you know, like when people, I'm, I'm seeing more people for their intentions earlier on, which at a certain point would kind of be like, jazz is good. Like she'd be like, you know, it's, it's kind of like how if a dude do something, I'll see his movements a little bit. So like if a woman is doing something, jazz will see her movements a little bit before I might or whatever. So it was kind of running into certain people who were just kind of like not, they just didn't fit. And so as of the last, I don't know, it's been a minute. I just haven't really met anybody that, that fits with what I do. And for me, since we are a couple and we also work together, our time is so intertwined mm -hmm. and her prosperity is mine. You know what I mean? So if somebody is not also trying to see her prosper, then it's not going to work for me. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it runs that deep. So it's kind of like, you know, you can date people and have a, a good time out here doing this, but it's like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to cut into what I've already built, like, I'm not going to let you break my foundation up. That's not going to happen. That's yeah. very um, grown up of you. It is. I mean, I think just to add, when I said he dates more than, than I do, it's a little bit easier as a single man to, to date, um, or whatever, a polyamorous <laughs> man, yeah. yeah, a man to date in general. Um, and because our time is the way it is, like, you know, usually King can spend a lot more time on the road than I can because we have, have to be back here with, um, with the kids. So, and then my time is kind of like split between my intimate relationship with King, our work. And my family. So to add a fourth component would be really difficult. And I'm not as much of a casual sex person as many probably would think. I like to make money. <laughs> <laughs> or I like it to, to last a little while. So that's yeah. just a little bit more of my preference. I like when we have opportunities to play together. Um, but I also, we don't always share the same philosophy about work and play. So um, I, I, I'm a little bit more conservative about that. When we're working, I don't really look, I have to be honest, I don't look at our clients as, um, as toys, so to speak. I kind of, I, I do monetize a lot of things in life, mm -hmm. which I can be more open. I don't think I look at our clients as toys. No, I mean like fun, like good sex, like this is fun, like we can play toys. And you're just like, ching, ching, dollar bill, dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, cool. I, I think also. I think it works as a perfect balance if that's how mm -hmm. it's done between think, the two of you. I think also with meeting more people, because so I've been mm -hmm. polyamorous ever since I was younger. I just didn't have a name for it. I didn't yeah. have a word for it. Like I remember my girlfriend in high school, um, it would just kind of be like, 
I was never jealous if she said like, oh, that, that guy or she was biased. So she'd be like, that guy or that girl was attractive. I'd be like, oh, you should holler at them. And I remember her friends being like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't care about you. Mm. And I'd be like, no, it doesn't mean I don't care about her. I want her to be happy. If she thinks that that person is attractive, like by all means, get it in. Yeah. You know, and she was kind of the only person that I had ever dated who would be like, you know, we, it was weird or whatever. But at certain times she would be like, this is my friend. She likes you too. Like, whatever, let's get it in. Yeah. You know, but um, but through old other relationships, I was always told that there was something wrong with me for it. You know, so like being with Jazz is being with the first person to fully accept me and what I enjoy sexually and even just in a relationship because polyamory doesn't just have to do with sex. You know, um, but meeting other people and being out there more in the world, like most people, they... They step into it already thinking that they're in a competition right. with her. And if that's the case, I, I'm not going to waste my time with that. Because I would love, and we've talked about like a, a, a third partner in all that we're doing. And I don't think that I'm going to be the one of the two of us to find that person because he's much more social. And women are, they're definitely more forthcoming towards you than, than men are to me. And even then, women are to me. Um, but so, the, I mean, there have been some people who are like, wow, like this would be a great addition to add. Like, do you like her? Like her. <laughs> yeah. And, but then there are others that I'm just like, you know, that's probably going to last a couple of weeks. And, you know. Yeah, she going to fizzle out. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. You're welcome. For answering that question. And <laughs> then some. <laughs> um, this is a cool question. Um, is there a strong representation of female porn producers? No. Not at mm-hmm. all. Wow. Not at all. Would you consider yourself a producer? Um, as of late? Yeah. I haven't, like, produced um, a lot. I'm kind of, like, a, more of a co-producer. But um, as of late, I've started to take a little bit more of a stronghold in that area. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something we need to see more of. Absolutely. No pressure, Jasmine. No. <laughs> but I think um, all of our work, because I co-produce, has a little bit, has more of a female influence, or we put the ha- the camera in the hands of women. Um, so even though it's not professional, so to speak, or they, they don't consider themselves to be porn producers, we're allowing them to produce content. So even if it's um, a concept that we may have come up with, their angles are going to be different. The flow is going to be different. The energy in the room is going to be different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're definitely encouraging that. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, do black men in the industry get paid more for being with white women or the other way around? The other way around. White women charge more to sleep with black men, regardless of their physical endowment. The... They actually, and there's a recent tweet that I might try to see if I can find forward to you, that they view it as stages. Like in porn, mm-hmm. people try to go through like their career. Mm-hmm. They, they go through their career in stages because, like, let's say, let's say you just start in a game and you have anal sex. You won't be able to charge more for your first anal scene later on as you could, you know? So they, they, they usually do, like, my first porn scene, my first anal my first threesome, my first gangbang, my first black guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's definitely for, for white women, that's like... And they say their career is over at that point. Like, that's all that they can shoot moving forward. Mm-hmm. 
is interracial scenes. So they take our prized possession and demote that to the end of their career. Yeah. Oh my god. How do you deal with this? Well, by making our own stuff. Yeah. Okay, I guess. And what about for a black woman? Is it different? Like, they get paid the least. The, the least. Well, uh, no, well they, not, get, they get more than black men, but they get black paid men. less yeah. than white women. So black mm-hmm. men make the least in the porn industry. But the porn industry would not be the porn industry that is without black men. Because interracial is one of the highest um, searched or the highest viewed genre of porn. So can't do it without, really without us. And interracial technically only counts as black men, right. white woman. It doesn't mean Asian man. It doesn't mean black woman, Hispanic. Hispanic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because, I mean, the porn industry in America definitely is rooted in a lot of American racism and fear of black people. Yeah. That's that's where that whole thing comes from. You know, like the if you look back in time, like the book Mandingo and the film uh, Birth of a Nation was all fear of black male mm-hmm. sexuality with white women. Because white women I mean white men raped so many black women during slavery. Um, another question is as much lighter. Do you come during takes? Oh, I do. Mm-hmm. She won't be faking it. Yeah. I don't Actually, know. That's <laughs> a common question. It's yeah. just like, do you fake it? I don't. I know people People do. Um, so not everything that you see in the porn industry is authentic, but it's important for us to, to do authentic films. In some of our films, we don't have an orgasm because sometimes sex is like that. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. Okay. Doesn't mean it didn't feel good. Doesn't yeah. mean there's any pressure on you to do so. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime you've seen me come on film, that's real. I don't I don't have like a CGI sperm or a shooting. Stunt out of me. Double. Okay. <laughs> do people do that? <laughs> they 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 do tricks with different fluids and yeah. things like that to create cum. Oh. Yeah. And squirting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which yeah. is a whole different conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, ladies, we're going to be talking about squirting too. Um, do you get emotionally attached to some of your co-stars? I think you may have touched on this a little bit. No. Mm-mm. Not at all? No. Well, when I, I mean, shoot I, with him, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I love you more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I care about that person's well-being, but I wouldn't say that I'm like emotionally connected <laughs> to... To random people I shoot with. Yeah. Okay. Jasmine, does uncircumcised dick feel different? And if so, in what way? No, so it doesn't feel different. I love this question because I do not discriminate dicks. I think that they should just be clean. And they should be attached to a good person. And I think that it's really sad that a lot of men, because there are a lot more uncircumcised men than we think. And they get shamed for a procedure that um, they didn't even have a choice in the matter anyways. And as an adult, like, you don't, I just don't think that that's something that has to be done. Um, and I, I think that a lot of stigma is put on, like, uncircumcised men are dirty. Well, I've seen a lot of circumcised men that have been like, oh, we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, hygiene is hygiene. So, no, it doesn't feel different at all. And, like, you just, you know, peel it back. In Kenya, the, the stigma around uncircumcised penises is huge because it's, it's 
attached to a tribe. Mm. So, um, what is what is that tribe like? I mean, like any other tribe. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they're not they're not different, but there's there's a certain tribe that in Kenya that don't circumcise their men. Mm-hmm. So if the men are from that tribe are circumcised, it's usually a choice that they made later on in okay. life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they have um, just like parents who were who don't conform to that tradition or that okay. culture. Mm-hmm. But then it's it's also a it's it's frowned upon. It's kind of if you if you did if it. You're not, if you're not. Yeah. But it's it's very strange because mm-hmm. it, it's just like Circumcision for me, I was watching a video about circumcision. For me, it makes no sense, like, whether people choose to or not to. Because, like like you said, cleanliness is cleanliness. Mm -hmm. Another thing is that uncircumcised penises carry, apparently transfer or carry disease. Mm -hmm. I don't know that to be true. um, Because we know the way that disease is transmitted, and it's not through the hood of your or yeah. the, the size of your penis and that type of thing. Um, I think that it, it all has to do with hygiene. So, again, there are people who are circumcised that have poor hygiene. Like, you know, check behind a man's balls. Like, is he clean there? You know, do, should we cut his balls off if he can't get back there? Like, that, those. so when I think about it, um, I think it's more of a style issue or a cultural thing than it is really about hygiene I mean people think about female genital mutilation people will tell you a whole bunch of things as to how that is better than not being circumcised and in this day and age we know that that's not the case it's it's traumatizing even men who have been circumcised have issues with nerve damage that was done when they were children and so I really think that that is a part of because it's optional I really think that that's something that an adult should make for their own body but Oof, I don't know if I'd want to get that procedure as an adult. Well, <laughs> so, right. I mean, and and it's it's which the tells same. you to tell tells you to it not. It's not like babies laugh when that shit right. happens. They cry. They cry, and it's it painful. is a, it is a very painful experience. Um, so all that to say, from a sexual standpoint, like no, I wouldn't discriminate if somebody um was circumcised. Not I have not felt a difference at all. What do you tell your spouse when you're not in the mood for sex? Mm-mm. I'm not interested right now. No, thank you. Not now. Later. Yes, it's really simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's the easiest position to get to the G spot for a guy? I've heard that it's through the ass, but is it really though? Wait, what? Like Like a man's G spot? Man's gland, I guess. Oh. Yeah, man's G spot. Well, yeah, that. So there is that the milking technique. The perennial, the the perennial nerve, um, <laughs> and yes, that men can have um, a G spot orgasm through anal play. So yeah, you can use finger, toy, tongue, tongue. Yeah, you heard. You heard. <laughs> get back there. That's my girl who asked that question. I'm pretty sure she's asking for a reason. <laughs> she's just like, Slow. go get it. Get it. Yes. Ask first, though. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. What's the most embarrassing moment? you've ever had on set? Um, I don't know. I don't get embarrassed easy. They've all been pretty comfortable. Hmm. I have to come back to that one. Okay. <laughs> when we were shooting that thing in Jamaica, <laughs> we were just recently shooting, and um, my pants wouldn't come off. But we had like an audience of like 30 people. So I'm like trying to, you know, like, uh-huh. 
I just personally feel as a man that it is almost <laughs> never sexy when a man takes his pants off. Okay. Usually. Like, because you got to do all this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just like one of those kind of moments was like, I got this whole audience. So I, I was probably like trying to make it look a little more sexy than normal. Uh-huh. And it just would not <laughs> fucking come off. It was. That's pretty funny. But I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. But it was, it was funny though. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I haven't had any embarrassing moments. Mm-mm. Maybe they should have been embarrassing, but I just... But she just don't like, give Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Keep rolling. <laughs> what do guys eat to produce so much cum? Pussy. Water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, honestly, before before shoot, I mean, I, I, eat, I try to eat pretty clean all the time. But, like, if I have to do a lot of shoots back to back, I do eat a lot of bananas. I eat a lot of fruit. Um, and then just like super like either grilled chicken or grilled fish. So healthy. And I think that the man or woman that asks that question should be less concerned with the amount of cum and the quality of the cum. Yeah. It is not quantity, it is quality. Quality. Because, and, I, and I mean, as a, yeah. there's certain days. Does it smell good? And, and 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 if it's a man asking this question, just think to yourself about your own orgasms. Because there's some days when I feel like, oh my God, this is going to be the most explosive orgasm of my life. And it might feel that way, like in my chest or 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 even even like down in, in my dick. And then it'll be like, doop, doop. <laughs> it'll be like a, like a little bit of a little bit of comment. And another day, it'd be like, ah, I'm about to bust this quick nut. And I'm like, how the fuck did I come this much? And where is it? In why case, is it on the curtain? Yeah, be like certain days when I'm like, later on I come back, I'm like, why is there come there? Like, who was here? Oh, that was me. You know, so I think I think it's just kind of like our bodies work the way they work. Because like I, I think a lot of times, men, we don't pay this much attention, but like temperature has a, a serious mm-hmm. effect on on your testicles and how much you produce and how much you don't produce. Like you might be in a cold environment, hot environment. When you're having your orgasm, it might be cold or hot. And all this kind of stuff definitely makes a difference for how much you produce. Cool. Quality. So just eat Quality. healthy and make sure it tastes better. So no matter how much cum you have, whoever's cleaning it up is happy. Yeah. Or if you're trying to reproduce that your your sperm is healthy. Yeah. yeah. You thinking about reproduction and me like whoever's tasting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you guys are yin and yang. You're so perfect. It's just like, yeah. Um, do, you, do you have to be stone cold sober to do a shoot? Or do you need something to get you through the scenes, especially when there are multiple partners? If you're shooting, you should be sober because when you sign that form, you cannot be under any influence of any drugs or alcohol because if you are under the influence, they can say that you were coaxed to doing mm-hmm. uh, one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And also in regards to just getting through sex, period, you know, it's better to at least know you can do it sober. Because you might not even want to be in the situation you're in if you were drunk or high for it. Yeah. 
And any any type of work that you're doing, if you have to do it under the influence, and maybe it's not the right type of work for you, mm-hmm. you know. And this, you know, when people watch porn, they watch it at night in their bed. When we shoot porn, it's usually like in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's a different setting altogether. So we had to like drive there in the morning and have breakfast, and you're not drunk at that time. Yeah. But but I mean, I, I won't lie and say that I've never, you know, smoked or drunk anything before I've been on set but like especially when I'm shooting for a company that's hired me or something like that I'm I'm showing up there sober well we even did a shoot where we were smoking yeah, like that was did, part that was of a, a smoke fetish and yeah. you like to see us progressively get fucked Yo, up we <laughs> were, it, was, it was like that was that was actually a really one of my favorite shoots not just because I was smoking through the whole thing but because actually going back to the other question that was a a scene where I did not have an orgasm. Oh, that was the one. One of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that men feel that sex is over when we have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And women feel that sex is over when a man has an orgasm. So it's good to show that it doesn't have to be over for one. And also, if she's done and you're not, like, yo, there's other ways that you could either finish or you can Wait. just store it up, save it, chill out. Edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dope. How do you avoid contracting STIs, especially when you can't use a condom and you have numerous partners who have numerous partners? In my personal life, I do not have unprotected sex. There's never a time in my personal life that I can't use a condom. And if someone says I can't use a condom in my personal life, I don't have sex with them. In regards to filming, everyone is tested and... They have to have a test that's within a certain amount of time, and that's how we go from there. Yeah, same. That was and, also a very common question. Yeah, and you can you can use condoms in the adult industry. Um, I think that's a misconception. I think that there, you know, some some situations you go into, and you know, you're very trusting about the situation. You um, feel like you're working with a responsible company and a responsible actress or actor. Uh, and then in other situations, maybe it for whatever reason, you just feel like, I, I need to use a condom, I want to use a condom, and that's okay too. And I think that consumers of porn, um, I think well, really producers of porn should include that in the variety of sex that they show. Mm-hmm. Because I think that people that are watching porn that don't have a single partner that they sleep with without unprotected, they can't really always see themselves in porn. And I think that's important that porn actually reflects real life sex as well as real life sex reflects porn because many people, you know, think that ultimate sex is when you don't have protection and that's not necessarily the case. Do you ever enjoy normal missionary sex with one partner? Yes, all the time. I don't consider that to be normal per se. It's, it's all normal. Yeah, you know, like I, I think all that we do is normal. But it's, I like missionary it, sex, though. Yeah, missionary is awesome. Yeah, missionary is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like <laughs> you get to look at your partner face-to-face yeah. and, and all that. And you feel deeper. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's actually a good position. There's not anything wrong with that position at all. Yes. Do you feel like your partner, your life partner, needs to be in the same... <laughs> you should see them. They're gazing into each other's eyes. Like playing a violin right now. <laughs> a little violin. Somebody hand me a violin. <laughs> Do 
Do you feel like your life partner needs to be in the same industry as you in order for there to be synergy in your relationship? Or do you think that you can date outside of the industry? It depends on the person. Yeah. Me, I, I enjoy us working together. So if we weren't per se in the same industry, if we found ways that we did work together, like, because both of us are hustlers. So that's one of the things that attracts me the most to her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if she wasn't a hustler, then if, if there wouldn't be an attraction. Even if we were in the same industry, if she was just a lazy ass porn star or some shit, I'd be like, she just lay there. I do I that mean, too, though. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm not even saying like in 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 regards to sex, but I'm talking about in regards to the business. Yeah. You know, like just today, we're like, yo, we planning out our tour. We doing this. We did it. Like, I love that shit. Yeah. Like that that keeps me like, mm, yeah, it's sharp. So, I mean, I don't think you would have to be, but you have to have certain qualities. Mm-hmm. I, um, when I think about our relationship, like, I think I could not be in the porn industry and still be supportive and, and be interactive in his work. So I think that, that that's fine. You um, do fluffer. <laughs> no. <laughs> for free. They don't pay. <laughs> Fluffy for free. Um. I think that I've dated people who have been in different industries than I've worked in. And our relationship has been successful, but it's really important that we've worked on something together. And that's kind of been like the pinnacle of our relationship is that we have something that we work with on together. Because he has his own profession in the music industry. I have my own clinical practice. So the point is kind of where we meet in the middle. <laughs> no pun. Uh, what do your partners and your family feel about your career choice? Um, so our families are really supportive, actually. How did you get them to be? We supportive? didn't try to get them to do anything. It like <laughs> it was just like, you're my sister, right? Okay, so that's not going to change. And I don't know. I think that both of us at this point of where we how we've entered the industry, we we're already independent and taking care of ourselves and you know, have already made some really difficult life decisions that I think our um, parents and other family members are able to trust that we're making the best decision for ourselves, whatever that may be, even if it's not for them. Um, They also have been able to see us successful at lots of things. So this is not like defining. It's not like we ran off and dropped out of whatever to become porn stars. Which is a common misconception. Right. You know, it's like, you know, we are, he's a well-established musician, I'm a pretty well-degreed academic. I have a professional career. You know, my children have always been with me and are well cared for. So it's okay for people not to like it. It's just never okay for anyone to disrespect us. And we haven't experienced that from our friends and family. Oh. Do you experience any kind of disrespect from just people in general? Hmm. I think uh, especially online, People think that they can speak to people in adult entertainment however they want. But I mean, it's, you know, Twitter is Twitter. You got an idiot president on Twitter talking to people however he wants to. Right. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of common decency on social media. I don't get people talking out their face in person like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Because you look like you would rough someone up. <laughs> but... <laughs> There's a lot of, um, and I see this 
in regards to men, and I see it in regards to women, but it's definitely way worse for women online. The kind of things that people will say just because they think, oh, well, she does porn, so I can disrespect her, you know? But uh, in regards to our family, no. But they're definitely, there's a lot of idiots out there who, you know, they hide behind their Twitter mm-hmm. or, or whatever form of, yeah, they keyboard yeah. thugs, you know, and they'll yeah. say all kinds of dumb shit to people. The, the other thing, too, I think, um, you know, we've made it really clear, like, if you are judging our work, that means that you've seen it or you know something about it. So you're mm-hmm. a client. Right. Dollar bill. <laughs> Ching. <laughs> exactly. And, and most people that lash out at porn stars, it's because there's a certain, I mean, either a jealousy or they're dealing with their own shit on the inside of fears of things that they're afraid to do, that this person has actually spread their wings and is flying Projecting. and doing. Yes. Yep. Well, we have a lot of people that want to save us. And, you know, that's always you. the funniest. Thank shit. you so much for your prayers. Actually, that, yeah? that's, I got, like, I got <laughs> that's a the few next people. question. Yeah. Yeah. But I got a few people saying, um, like, um, do you feel like we should protect you from your occupation? No, you should pay for porn and further yeah. our careers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... Because the other the follow-up question for that is, do you feel abused? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing no. is, there is this common misconception. Like, it's funny. Like, people I've met in the porn industry, I've met people who used to work on Wall Street, uh, people nurses. who were nurses or, mm-hmm. or teachers or, like... <laughs> All kinds of prof- from all walks of life, mm-hmm. and yes, there are people who run away from home and wind up in porn, just like there are people who run away from home and wind up as a fucking senator. You know what I mean? Like you can, you President. can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, he just got a loan. He just got a loan. He didn't run away. But um, I think like people like to think that when when it's something that is not common, they like to think that. Because they might have had, like, there's a lot of people out there who are like, yeah, I wish I could have sex on camera for money. Or or even that or I love my director. body enough that I could have sex on camera. Yeah, even if they don't want to yeah. do it as a profession. Because mm-hmm. at the same time where people will say, they'll say this, the two, two things within the same sentence. They'll be like, I can't believe that you do that. Anybody could do that. Yeah. In the same sentence, it'll be like, I can't believe that you'll <laughs> go out there and do this. But, you know, anybody could do that, though. Which one is it? You know, and then usually it leads into the same kind of thing. Well, you must have been or this must have Mm -hmm. happened and all Mm -hmm. that. Traumatic childhood. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and people have had traumatic childhoods in all professions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So does it mean that someone, we need to go out there and save the bus driver that had a traumatic childhood, too? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we should help people who had trauma. (laughs) Right. But it's not particularly their profession's fault. Right. You know, so um, I, I def- there's just definitely a stigma with the sex industry because, you know, it's, it's your body, it's your vessel. I, and I, I understand that. And I think the most important thing when the person asks, do we need to protect you from the industry? I think that there is a, some value in that in, in a sense that the industry should be a safe place to work. Yes. It should be an equitable place to work, um, you know, for any instrument, whether it's your voice or your body or, you know, your craft, whatever your craft is, you should have some type of protection from your employers, your customers. You shouldn't be able to harass people. Mm-hmm. Um, health insurance should be an option that that's available to everyone. 
Um, there, so there are things like there's a, there is sex trafficking in the industry, and people need to be able to decipher the difference between is this person being trafficked, drugged without consent, underage in this, mm-hmm. or is this person making a life choice to do this type of work? And I think um, we should protect those that don't have a say in being in the industry. And as consumers, we should be very careful and thoughtful that we're not feeding into something that doesn't protect its workers. Mm-hmm. So I do. there is a lot of value in that question. I do appreciate it. Yeah. And I think that there should be protection within the industry. King and I, to a certain extent, are somewhat of anomalies where we have established careers. Um, we can say goodbye to this if we want to. We figured out ways to monetize other than the like he said, black men and black women do not get paid a high amount of money in in this industry, um, and because it is so saturated, a lot of people don't make a lot of money. But we, you know, I like to think that we're we're smart hustlers, and we figured out a lot of different revenue streams through the adult industry. So, and I also think that sex work is work. You know, if if someone does choose to sell themselves then, I mean, personally, I, I think that prostitution should be legal and it should be something that's safe. Something that's safe where workers are, you know, uh, protected instead of abused not only by clientele or customers, but abused by the system. Because mm-hmm. the system makes a whole lot of money off of prostitution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by shaking them down and taking their things or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So, I, I mean, I think every profession needs regulations, that look after humans, right. you know, like, well, people just have this stigma as as was just stated with, with adult entertainment, but it's like, you know, I look at actual, the film industry and Harvey Weinstein and mm-hmm. what he was just doing, you know, he was sexually harassing people, He, you know, or, you know, uh, teachers who sleep with their students or mm-hmm. across, mm-hmm. The, you That's know. That's very common at home. Well, I guess it's common here too. Yeah. You know, I and and I think that there's this uh there's this idea that if people are in like let's say the sex industry or the fight game or something like that that there's just certain industries that are just horrible. But we need to be able to take care of people in any way possible. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, another question sort of similar is how did you end up choosing this as a career path? So it chose me. <laughs> I, I I didn't really. It's just kind of, um, it was just going along with the projection of, of my exploration, my journey. We did, um, we had an opportunity to shoot a scene kind of just for fun. And I watched it and I was like, because I, I, w- I am not an avid porn watcher. And when I watched our film together, I was like, this is why I don't watch porn, because I never see this. And it wasn't just about the experience that I just had with him. It wasn't about, like, you know, my body or the lighting or anything. It was about seeing black people make love. And and it, it was nothing over the top. Um, the cost, There was no costuming. There was no elaborate script or anything like that it was just a display and expression of good sex between people of color and I, and and that kind of to me you know just raised my awareness of the gap that there was in this industry and just was like this would be a cool hustle let's fill the gap so that's kind of how 
See, you see a theme here. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I see it. And King is a little bit has a little bit more of a connection to the industry than I do. Where I first um, got started in the industry when I was legally able to do so. So I was like 18. And I had a friend, she was a dancer, and they wanted her to be in a magazine, like a porn magazine. And porn magazines are all implied. It's not really, well, most of them are just implied. Like you'll be eating a pussy like from here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, but she was just like, I don't want any random dicks in my face. So I'll shoot it if I can pick the talent and she reached out to me we had like messed around in school or whatever so she knew whatever she's like yo you got what it take just come make this money with me and at the time I, I was just like bouncing around terrible jobs and all that and it just made sense because it was it was good money I didn't have to do anything illegal I didn't have to deal with any kind of it like for me it was just like a no stress high reward job you know I mean, there's there's definitely the stress of owning a business, no matter what your business is, and and trying to make sure that you cross the T's and dot the I's and all that stuff. Like, I got a deadline that I've set for myself, so that makes it even more like I got to knock this editing out or get this shoot together, things like that. But I love what I do, so it's not stressful to the extent of, like, I'm working for somebody else who doesn't value me or my time. Mm -hmm. So... I enjoyed it a lot. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to do on set? Oh my gosh. Um, so I do a lot of fetish clips and I know what you think. What do you think it's gonna be? <laughs> the stomping thing. That's the weirdest one. Oh the, I didn't do it though. You didn't do it. Oh, okay. Oh well yeah, that was the that weirdest was thing the I was asked. You're right. Um so there's a thing called trampling where um a lot of men want to see women either step on men or step on them or step on objects. So like balloons. Well, this particular person wanted me to crush little animals, little chickens and... Like to death? Yes. Oh my God, that's sad. Yeah. That's so, so that's, that's, a, that's a hard no for us. Like, yeah, you know, no. we don't do anything involving animals, children, <laughs> or people who say no. So... I wasn't even asked that, and that's the weirdest thing I was asked. The worst thing, right. Well, it was to the company. Like, it was on to the company page. Yeah. And the thing that was the most disturbing is that they were sample pictures. Yeah. They get, they sent sample pictures. Of the animals? Of uh, someone of else someone doing else that. That someone took the work in doing it. So that was um, very, very sick. So we reported and it. I'm, oh, yeah. And I imagine that something like that also pays the most, pays like more money. Yeah, because it's illegal. Yeah. So... Uh -huh. But not interested. Yeah, we just work a little harder at the things that we. That we do are that are legal. No pun. <laughs> <laughs> do you have sex with your fans? Well, King is my number one fan, so <laughs> I have to say that would be a hard yes. Hard yes. Yes. Um. So, but other no, no. The opportunity hasn't presented itself. I mean, I look at people who appreciate our, our work as people too, and it's not to say that we couldn't possibly be attracted to one of our fans and, you know, meet and have a great time. But, uh, no. Is there job satisfaction slash security when you work? Hmm. The way that we've set ourselves up, yes. Satisfaction for sure. The security is always the tough part. 
um, in any type of entrepreneurial type business. But the way that we have set ourselves up, yes, by diversifying our income streams. What happens, is there like ageism in the porn industry? And what happens when you get older? And what's the future like retirement plan? <laughs> yes and no, actually. Um, there's definitely, like porn for women is really funny in regards to age. Because once you hit like 25, you're considered a MILF, whether you have children or not. Which I I really don't think that I don't think that that's nice. Not the age, it's, but like like don't be giving away my milf title to some twenty five year old that don't got no kids. Yeah, I think <laughs> work for these it's, stretch marks. <laughs> 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 Bopping around talking about I'm a milf. T- no, we're not. Yeah, Sit down. Yeah, I think I think that in that sense, but there is a large stream of 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 income for women when they hit a certain age, like between like, let's say 28 to about 40. Yeah. There is that whole like MILF, whether the, that, but the thing that the, I think it's stupid too, to call someone a MILF if they don't have kids, yeah. but it's um like that age range is real big. Cause usually it's kind of like when you first come in the industry, you're young and all that, so there's like the fresh face and and all of that, and the, and the fetishization of of young women, which isn't great in my mind either. But it, you have like that little span, and then it's kind of like you have to do something crazy around a twenty five year old to whatever age to keep people's eyes on you. So usually people will leave for a minute, come back with new breasts or a new mm-hmm. name or something mm-hmm. like that. That's why you see that happen a lot. Uh, I think with men, most male porn stars are in their 30s. Uh, and most look a hot mess. And I won't I won't say I won't say all of them because there are some some younger younger dudes who who do their numbers or whatever. But I think um with men there's still the the daddy fetish is even getting more mm-hmm. play now than it used to. So there's a little bit more of a, a age kind of thing, but for the most part, for men, people want to. Most porn doesn't even show male bodies to a large extent, or men's yeah. faces. So there is like a kind of like I mean, if if you did get hard, no matter what age you are, it really doesn't matter too tough. So, and I've seen some of those guys. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand why they just like zoom in on the penis. Um, so, I mean, for, from a a woman's standpoint, I, um, I think that we have to stop listening to both consumers and producers about what people say sell. Mm -hmm. And we really have to test the market because I know like when I watch porn, um, a woman's body before 25 is usually not attractive to me because it mirrors too much of a girl's body. And you can look at a woman's body and you still want to be able to relate to it. You want to see, because, you know, for me, if I'm going to watch porn, it's about me fantasizing. I like to, like, be in it somehow. Like, that's me. Or, you know, I I would have picked her and put him together. So I think, um, you know, I like to look at bodies that look like mine. And for for starters, just for color, for me, that's the first thing. If we can at least get that. And then we can start working with a variety of body types. I think um, also, you know, as we get older, we pick up more more weight, no matter, you know, not to say that, you know, all women that are of a certain age, we, maybe it's more curvy or it sits different. 
And, um, you know, I don't like to see the fetishism of um, women that are plus size, the way like, you know, they have them like eating in the scene or it's like, you know, they're poking at their bellies and things like that. Like, I think it's very difficult for us as women to see ourselves along the continuum of porn. And we would purchase it, we would buy it, we would watch it if it was there. But the industry is saying, like, no, people only want to see little girls and they only want to see men from the waist down. And that's just, I mean, I don't like that. I've actually worked with a few companies that shoot older women. Like, I think one of the the scenes was only women in their 60s -hmm. and only women in their 50s that that I've worked with. And... So there's there's still people who shoot it. It's just it just might not be as pushed. Like yeah. people who have that who want to see that have to look for it mm-hmm. specifically. And for that site, I feel that most of it is older women with younger men. It's very cougar-esque. Yeah, right? it's like mm-hmm. cougar cougar stuff because it's still pushing for most porn has the misconception that only men watch porn. Mm-hmm. So they market it to men's fantasies. So you'll see, see, or or that when people get to a certain age, they don't watch porn anymore. Right. So you won't see a sixty-year-old man with a sixty-year-old woman. I you'll love only see geriatric porn. But I mean, for the most part, it's <laughs> it's harder to find. It like, is. If you'll see a sixty-year-old man with a younger yeah. woman yeah. or a sixty-year-old woman with a younger man, because they feel that it pushes on the fantasies that men have, like being that sixty-year-old guy with that woman, or being that young man who pulls that older woman from your from your neighborhood or something yeah. like that. So I, I I mean the jobs are there, but I think that just the way that the industry presents it mm-hmm. is is a lot tougher as you get to a certain age. And as for retirement plan, just like most forms of entertainment, you're an independent contractor. Right. So it's not up for that company to put into your 501k or something like that. So it's the same as if you're a uh, uh, MC or DJ or, or, or saxophone player. You know what I mean? you got to put your money away or, or make investments that will take care of you in the future. So I just want to go back to the geriatric mm-hmm. porn. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it all day if you want. Well, okay, thank you. Well, the reason why... So we, we also see porn as a source of education. Whether it's good or bad education, it's people still learn from the sex industry, um, sex entertainment industry. And... I think that we, because we stop seeing images of sex at a certain point with for men and women, unless it's like the dirty old man and a young child, which that promotes the education that that is a thing that happens and is okay. Um, when we stop to start stop seeing adults have sex through their life, then we start to adapt that behavior too. And I think that older adults can have sex until they die. You know, um, and I've always been interested in watching old people have sex because I like to kind of like envision like, what is that going to look like? What positions can they get into? And I get encouraged by it. Like, oh, yeah, you can still do one leg up. And, you know, (laughs) that's it's encouraging. And it's also encouraging to see the same way we feel like as women. Oh, you can't do that anymore. You have children. You can't do that anymore. You're married now. You can't do that anymore. You're old. And it doesn't have to be that way, uh, you know. So it's like, okay, let the adult entertainers do it on film. But it's important that we see that happening because it only translates to what people accept for themselves in their own lives. So that, um, and as far as future plans, yeah, 401ks, um, 
diversifying your portfolio and making smart choices. Um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's that's the good thing about owning your own, though, is if we walk away from the industry, we still can do whatever we want. Yeah, and we, we yeah. still And we still yeah. have fans who want to see what we do. <laughs> and we've kind of, like, carved out our own our own niche in the market. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Do you have any questions you want to add, though? Definitely. I hope that I didn't leave anything out. Definitely go to royalfetishxx.com, jetsettingjasmine.com, stillandstilettosfitness.com, also, I'm going to add all of those descriptions in the comment box below. So. Read the comment box below. Yo, get in that box. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank but you, yeah. guys. Thank you. Thank you, you for having us. No, thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. I accept. <laughs> um, and then we're also going to be recording for... Um, we're going to be doing a sex. Wait, yes, wait, yes. You threw me off. I, know, I just <laughs> wanted to see how you were um, and then we're going to be recording for uh, Royal Fetish Radio. Yes, we are. And like I'm it. going to put a link in the comment box below. On Yo, we should just... Where you can subscribe to the show. Okay. So we should just shoot a live scene during that show. We should definitely <laughs> talk about sex in the motherland on this show. No, we have to talk about this. Because then you can ask the questions and I can tell you everything. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. can do that, though. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I Bye y'all. Later y'all. Bye guys. Deuces. <laughs>